You're listening to Montgomery Creek Outdoors. Kick off your boots and kick up your heels. Today's adventure starts right now. Hey everybody, this is Casey Conley and I'm joined by my dad, Tim Conley. Hello. And this is story number four of our Montgomery Creek Outdoors podcast series. Today we have our friend Richie Music on the line who is an Illinois bow hunter. How are you doing today, Richie? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for, for being on. So you had an incredible 2016 bow season. Killed two bucks. So uh, how did that feel, and how did you get so lucky? <laughs> well, it feels amazing, to be honest with you. And, and luck is an important word there. I definitely feel like I got lucky. <laughs> so, Richie, tell us tell us about the uh, the gross scores of those two bucks. What were they? Uh, the first buck was 164 and 6 eighths, and the second one um, is a little busted up. He, he should be a 9-pointer, but uh, as a 6-pointer, he still scores 161. Oh, wow. wow. That's crazy. Wow. That is a, that is an unbelievable season. And you, uh, you killed both those bucks in November, is that correct? Yeah, within a week of each other. <laughs> wow. So, and pretty uh, and pretty close to each other on the farm. Yeah, about uh, I had a stand on each side of the ditch. It was only about sixty yards from each stand. <laughs> wow! Uh, so, so tell us a little bit about where you hunt. Is it is it local? Local? Is it a, a big lease you got somewhere? Or how many acres is it? How far from home? Well, it's uh, it is local. It's about thirty minutes from my door. It's I guess what uh, a lot of us would call suburban zone hunting. Okay. Um, it's it's just shy of 700 acres, and uh, it's, it's not a lease or anything. It's actually, uh, you know, on a handshake, knocking doors, and got lucky and got permission. Oh, wow, that's the best kind. Now, are you the only one hunts at, or you got some buddies hunting with it, or some other people have permission uh, also? Have, there's one other, one other buddy that hunts it, um, but he's actually just recently, as of last year, relocated to Texas. Mm, so that's he a good only state. comes around maybe... Yeah. Oh, yeah. He comes around maybe ten days throughout the entire season. That's it. Okay. Nice. So you got you got a pretty pretty good chunk of property that you uh, you can kind of kind of do your thing on. That's that's good. Now. Oh yeah. The when did when did you kill the first buck? I believe it was uh, November third. Okay. And then you you got that second buck, and it wasn't I, following along on Facebook. I kind of saw it wasn't really the fairy tale ending that most of us hoped for. So, talk to us a little bit about the trials that you had to go through to recover that second buck. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't a fairy tale ending by any means. Um, I actually, uh, you know, he was trailing a doe fawn, and it was about you know two fifteen in the afternoon. They were coming down a logging road. And uh, I had a wide open shot. I ranged the, I had a white birch on the opposite side of the logging road. And I got ahead of the deer and I ranged that white birch and it said 46 yards. So I turned my dial to 46 on my HHA site and uh, the doe fawn cleared and he was right in tow behind her. And uh, lo and behold, I grunted at him, stopped him and put one an inch over his back. Oh, wow. Mm. We've all been yeah. there and done that. Yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. kidding. Yeah. So he turned around and, and ran back up the hill a little 50 yards, but he didn't want to leave that hot dough. So about 
90 seconds later, here he come back down the trail again. And then I realized what I'd done. He wasn't against the tree. He was more towards me in the logging road. So he was about four yards oh, yeah? shy of what I had ranged. So I quickly adjusted to 42 yards. And at this time, he was on high alert. You know, he was he was at a walk, but a, a fast walk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he had his move forward, and he was looking for what had just occurred. So I came to full draw, and I knew, looking back now, you know, I knew I shouldn't have grunted at him. I wouldn't have had the shot opportunity I did. He would have just bolted instantly. He was already on high alert. And uh, so I just followed him, and, and as his shoulder would move, I moved with him. And, uh, you know, I let the arrow go. It looked beautiful. I and mean, even when you slow-mo the footage, it, it looks like a, a hard shot. And uh, a big deer like that, that's a long body and long legs. So when he took that stride, it hit him center mass. Yeah. And the, and the chase was on. It was a, uh, from that point on, I got out of there. Never even went to recover my arrow. Um, figured I'd get an ample time. You know, I knew it wasn't a great shot. Get out of there. Went in doubt, back out. The old saying goes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that next morning I came in, found my arrow right there, covered in blood, and the blood trail was phenomenal for the first 75 yards. I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, maybe I did clip the liver. Maybe he's going to be laying right so, here. So let me, let me understand the shot a little better. The shot was uh, the lower third of the deer and mid midway between... Um, say the front and the back legs. Is that pretty accurate exactly, description? Exactly right. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I continued on that blood trail, and it was, you know, really good blood. I mean, you didn't have to search for it. It was just a great trail, and I thought, okay, he's going to be right here. Well, what turned into great blood, you know, turned into spotty blood, and then I ran into a bed. There was a little bit of blood in the bed. I said, you know what, I'm going to push it a little bit further. Maybe he's in this bedding area. And uh, the mistake I made, I had my bow in my hand. Um, I didn't have an arrow knob. And mm. uh, I came up on the crest of a knob, and I'm looking at the ground for blood, not looking ahead. And right. lo and behold, he jumps up out of a bed at 20 yards and just stands there broadside, looks at me, snorts at me. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get an arrow out of the quiver as fast as I can. To probably try to shaking. Your hands are probably shaking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> he never even takes a bound. He just walks off out of my life. So, 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 what kind of uh, landscape was this? Was this open woods, or is this a thick, uh, thick, brushy? This is a. It, yeah, absolutely. This is a super thick, brushy knob okay. up in an oak flat. I mean, so thick that you can realistically see. 20 feet in most spots, unless it's, you know, unless it's on a deer trail where you can see, you know, 20, 30 yards, uh, you, you're hard pressed to see 20, 25 feet. Okay. So from there, this is the next day. You dropped a deer at about 2.30, 3 o'clock or something in the afternoon the previous day. You're in there, and I guess it's it's early in the morning or mid-morning when this happens. Yep. So from there, what do you decide to do? Okay. So from that point, when he walked out of my life, I thought, he, because he didn't run, I assumed he's fatally wounded. Uh, he's going to go 100 yards and bed up again and die right here. So, again, I thought, okay, get your orange tape out of your pocket, mark last blood, and get out of here. Give him, give him more time. Give him more time. Don't push him. Yeah. 
So I, I took some orange flagging tape. I marked the branch where I jumped them. I got out of there. Waited till the next morning. Took a buddy in with me. We looked for four and a half hours and could not find one speck of blood and could not locate the deer. Oh, no. And now I'm, now I'm about feeling. to have an emotional breakdown. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially with a deer that size. Now, it, uh, I mean, what did you do? Go into like a grid search uh, area? I mean, you're hunting a 700-acre property. That can be quite time-consuming. Well, well, on this particular piece, on the west side of this property, it's about a 120-acre uh, chunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what we did. We started the grid search the best we could. Um, and, and, and we couldn't find anything. I mean, it was it was crazy. I thought for sure we were going to find him, you know. I mean, I showed my buddy the blood trail from the beginning, and the, the second he looked at it, he said, that's a dead deer. No question, that's a dead deer. Mm. So we looked till dark, and we couldn't locate the buck. And he's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm not going to work. I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm coming back again. I'm not giving up. Yeah. I can't. And he's like, you know, uh... I heard about this guy that's got a really good tracking dog. He, he's uh, from central Illinois. Let me see if I can find his info. And uh, he went home. We left the farm. He went home. And he called me about an hour later, and he said, I got his number. Do you want it? I said, yes. So I called this gentleman, and he was actually, at the time, in southern Illinois on a track job. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. This guy says to me, I can be there at, at daylight. I said, well, you're seven hours away. He says, I can be there at daylight. <laughs> I said, okay. So uh, I met this gentleman. Uh, he had a, a beautiful, uh, just a monstrous bloodhound. I, I, probably one of the prettiest dogs I've ever seen. When he opened the back of the SUV, and I, I could not believe the sheer size of this bloodhound when it jumped out. Just a massive, massive dog. Huh. And uh, you know, I gave him, I gave him the scenario, and he said, uh, "Well, take me, take me to where you shot it." And uh, he had he had this extremely long leash. It was actually like a, a rope that he he led the dog around on. And uh, you know, we started off on the trail, and the dog was going everywhere. And I thought, "Oh boy!" And this ha- this went on for about an hour. Now, now did you take? And, did you start to? Did you start the dog off where you last found blood, or where you first shot him, or what was the procedure there? When we when we got out of the truck at the farm, he said, "Take me to where the arrow impacted the field." Okay, all right. Where you first started blood, and, and that's what we did. But but here's where we went wrong, Tim. And I I, I didn't know this, but the guy said. Because the dog would, you know, it would go down trails we'd already went down. I said, no, 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 you ain't down there. We've already done that. We've already done all that. And at this point in time, I'm covered in sweat. The, the, the tracker's covered in sweat. And he looks at me and he says, you know, I'm going to tell you something. You guys made this track job. And that's an important lesson for everybody listening to this, to remember this. Because when he said this, it made all the sense in the world. He said, you guys have made this damn near impossible. Because you've been in here for three days, walking all over the trails, and you may or may not have stepped in the blood and got it on your boots and tracked it everywhere in this piece of property. Hmm. So the dog is following your boot print. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And I said, I said, damn, that makes perfect sense. So at that point, the guy says, okay, all right, we're going to do this my way. 
take me to the last blood where you mark that orange flag and say, take me right there. I said, okay. So we went right back to there. You guys, it wasn't 60 seconds of us letting that dog hit that orange flagging tape that he put his nose to the sky and let out a hellacious howl. And just took <laughs> off. Oh, you're painting a picture for and me, Richie. Guy, <laughs> oh, my God. The guy looked at me and he said, he's on your deer. That's the deer. And I, I we just took off. We just took off running through the woods. So, and he's holding this rope, and the dog's pulling him. And uh, if we went 100 yards. There he was. I couldn't believe it. We had walked around that deer for three days. So was the deer in really, really thick uh, cover where he wasn't visible, or where did he yes, end up being? Yes, super, super, super thick cover. Just kind of buried in then. Huh? Had, had we not had that dog... I wouldn't have found that deer probably till shed season when all the foliage was down. And, uh, you know, that, it, it made all the difference in the world, in my opinion, to do the right thing. When in doubt, back out. You know what? It costs a lot of money to get this guy out there. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's ethical to recover the animal, in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Um, and and I, I think I did that. And I agree. You, you, uh, you, uh, you you exhausted uh, all your efforts until you found the deer. That's uh, that's the important thing, and um, we're happy you did. That's that's quite a story. I mean, we're, uh, we're we have bird dogs and been into that all our life. So you know, dog the dog thing always uh, interests us. So I never really personally talked to somebody that did. And this and th- let me get this right. This was two days later or three days later. Three and a half days later. Three and a half days later. Pretty impressive. Yes. Wow, awesome. Well, hey, thanks for telling that story for us. And we're going to switch gears here and and start talking about things that are happening now. So uh, turkey season is happening now. I know last weekend, from the looks of Facebook, you took some kiddos out for youth turkey season. Uh, Did you have any kind of success or just have fun or what happened? You know, anything with kids, it's always it's always a success. I think just getting them out there and introducing them to the great outdoors. Uh, my son Joseph is uh, 11 years old. This was his first hunt ever with Dad. Now I think I was more excited than he was. And uh, no, we didn't we didn't get it done. We didn't we didn't uh, get an opportunity. But we had a good time, and and uh, you know we're, we're actually heading out tomorrow. Uh, we have uh, this weekend as well in Illinois. You get two weekends. Uh, this is the first year ever, actually, that we get two weekends back to back to get the youth out there and give them a, huh. a oh, that's chance great. to get on a bird. Yeah, to get on a bird before uh, the rest of the season kick in here. So, 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 uh, when, when the and how does the turkey season for the adult kids <laughs> work? Is it uh, <laughs> ours here in Indiana is coming in late this year? It's not doesn't come in until the twenty sixth, which. You know, my, my fear is the grass and the green and everything's oh, going to yeah. be so and, tall. And my fear is it's happening now. I mean, we've watched the news the past two nights, and uh, two days in a row here in Indiana, there's been a turkey flying through people's windshields in <laughs> Indiana. So I'm like, it's yeah. happening now, yeah. and we don't get to go out and play until the end of April. So How, so how's that Illinois season structured? We actually, uh, we have five seasons, uh, five or six seasons. I'd have to double check to be sure. It's at least five, it may be six seasons. Hmm. Um, but it comes in April 10th. I have first season, which is April 10th. Um, and we have, we get five days to hunt, uh, per season. Okay. 
So they they give a little break between between seasons in, or or is the seasons in different areas of the state? No, it's it's it's, a, it's a, well we're we're in the northern zone, which is April tenth through. I'd have to I'd have to look at the thing to tell you the truth. Okay. But uh, each 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 season is like a five day stretch, and then it you know you start season two. So mm-hmm. I've got I've got three different chances to get out and uh, and hopefully get one. That's well, good cool. luck to I got you. Some crazy ta- I got some crazy tactics up my sleeve this year. I'm, I, my my goal is to reap one with a turkey fan with a bow. Oh, <laughs> cool! Now, Richie, I yeah, uh, like a scoot and shoot, right? I've, I've seen you, and you're a pretty good sized fella. And uh, <laughs> most of those guys I see doing that belly crawling are little bitty young guys. So um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna wish you the best of luck. Okay, and just leave it I, leave it at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting across the table from a pretty old guy too that should be talking because he sits at a blind every year because I, I don't even think he could run and gun. So yeah, definitely yeah. not the run part. Hey, let, let's talk yeah. about uh, you know anybody who follows you on on the social media knows you're huge into the waterfowl hunting. Um, is that season over now, or is this still going on, or how? How's no, that it's, that's that's all that's all over. And it, uh, you know, waterfowl is a huge passion of mine. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I got out of it uh, when I when I got when I got hooked up in the, the filming bow hunts. Uh, you know, I just kind of let that go by the wayside. And and uh, fortunately, I was tagged out early enough this year to where. I had half of the waterfowl season to get back in the game, and, and that's exactly what I did. Now I heard, and, and in doing, go ahead. I heard, I heard ahead. that you were, uh, I heard that you were going to start up some kind of outfit of your own called Goosebusters. Who you going to call? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Actually, I did. I did start it up. It's uh, it's up and running, um, and we will be we will be booking hunts this fall for clients all around uh, Northern Illinois. Cool. Um, We've got we've got we've got about thirty eight hundred acres leased up, um, to where we can take clients. You know, pretty, you don't want to put too much pressure on a field. You don't want to overhunt a field. Birds get educated; they know what's going on. And the later in the season it gets, the harder they are to, to convince to come into those fields. So, you got to stay mobile. So, so are, um, I mean, if you look at a map. Where, where exactly in the world are you located when I think about Illinois? You're in the northern part, but are you, you know, yeah. east, east to west? Are you centrally located or east well, or west? or wh- you, Where are you at? You, if, if you look at a map and you look at Chicago and you look at Rockford, I'm right in the middle of the two. Okay. So that's that's so that's kind of on the east. Of Chicago. Okay. Kind of on the east side of, of uh, northern Chicago. And we, we couldn't tell by your accent, though. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so so is, is, that, is that hometown? Is that where you were born and raised? Or? Uh, interesting question, no. Um, uh, real quick, I won't get into the whole story on that, but uh, I, I, was, I was born in Chicago, um, and my, my mother and father uh, were actually uh, drug addicts. Um, they, they were both, they're, they're both deceased now. They were both uh, heroin addicts. Oh, um, nice. So, yeah, so as a child, uh, you know, we, we bounced around a lot in Chicago from, you know, always getting kicked out of, of uh, rental homes and, and moving to another one or staying in hotels and things of that nature. Wow. 
but but fortunate for me, uh, at the age of ten, my mother's sister adopted me to get Aww. me out of that situation. Okay. Uh, she had a daughter. She had a daughter that was two months younger than me. Uh, so I was I was taken from that situation mm-hmm. and uh, moved to Wisconsin, which was the start of everything I love: hunting and fishing. Uh, I would I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today had it not been for them uh, stepping up and, and and taking me away from that situation and, and relocating me to Wisconsin and introducing me to hunting and fishing and a whole awesome. new way of so, life. Because, so yeah. you you went from a uh, very very rough childhood in the inner city and and uh, moved out to rural rural America. That's that's an awesome hunting story. and uh, and and what what a 180 degree turnaround it sounds like. We're thankful. A- absolutely, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a godsend, and uh, I never looked back. I mean, it's it's it lit a fire in me from the the first hunt ever that that just. This is what I want to do. I so, mean, this is this is living. <laughs> so, so what what age did you start hunting? I mean, um, roughly. I started hunting. I completed hunter safety when I was twelve years old. Okay. They put me in a hunter safety class and uh, also a boater safety class. And uh, I started hunting at twelve. I killed my first deer the last day of the Wisconsin nine day gun season. It was a nubbin buck with less than five minutes of the season. <laughs> I killed him with a 20-gauge Remington Pump 870 at 10 yards. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Sounds like God was looking out for was, you again. That's cool. That was it. That was it. From that moment on, I was hooked. I bet you <laughs> was. So talk to us about your real job. I know we all kind of have real jobs, and, and hunting's our passion, sure. but what's your real job? So, uh, on, the, on the whole Wisconsin thing, my uncle uh, owned a construction company, roofing, siding, soffitation windows, a mile, exterior modeling company. So, I grew up with him in and around that trade and learned his skill set, you know. Cool. Um, and, and so, as I as I moved back to Chicago on my own, uh, you know, that's, that's the industry I knew. So, I worked for a couple of companies um, doing roofing and siding sales. And then I started my own uh, 12 years, 13, yeah, 13 years ago this year. Hmm. I started my own company, and uh, I've been doing that ever since. Okay. Awesome. So switching gears again, uh, we just finished up with shed season, and I know you found quite a few great sheds. Talk to us about some of the, the cool sheds that you found and uh, what you're looking forward to for some of those deer, that, the sheds that you found. You know, I, I, I did this again. I got super lucky with the whole shed thing. Um, I didn't find a lot. I think I found maybe 15 this year. And in, in years past, we'd find high 30s to mid 40s with pretty good years. It's become so competitive now uh, that, you know, even with shed poaching, guys coming in on private property and beating you to your sheds, it's making it harder and harder to, to find any, in all honesty. Uh, I did find some good ones. I found the biggest one so far is a uh, 73 inch clean four point side with a 29 inch beam. Oh, wow. wow. That is nice. He's on the hit list, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> well, let's, let's, uh, coming up before long, maybe, maybe already, I don't know. I know if you follow you, you, you do an awful lot of bow fishing. Is, is that season here for you yet? Or is that yet to come? Uh, you know, no, I, I don't mess with that too much until summer. 
Okay. A lot of guys are starting right now. They are getting out now. Um, you know, up up on Lake Wisconsin, where I grew up in, in southern Wisconsin, uh, they'll really start spawning good where you can go out and shoot 100 if you want to. So now are you, um, are you doing this mostly at night, or do you do some day fishing, or are you, you out there on a boat with the lights, or how, how do you do all that? A lot, a lot of both, a lot of both. Okay. Um, it all depends when my wife says I can go, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got your priorities straight. That's all I got to say. That is important. With five, with five kids, I need permission. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So uh, I guess wrapping up here, uh, thank you for joining us today. But before we wrap up, is there any shout-outs that you want to give to any of your hunting buddies or uh, your family, anything like that? Face, share your Facebook pages and, and everything with yeah, people. Yeah, your handles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody, you know, anybody that wants to learn more or is interested in, in uh, booking a waterfowl hunt, you can check out our webpage at goosebustersoutsitters.com. And we also have our our page on Facebook under Goosebusters Outfitters. So we're really trying to get that up and running this year. Um, and, and that's, a, you know, we're going we're gonna to do some specials. If anybody follows us on Facebook right now, we're giving away a free hunt. Oh, cool. Once we get up to 1,000 a a thousand likes and shares, we're going to do a, a free hunt giveaway for that. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see a lot more uh, children get involved in the outdoors. So anybody that wants to come out and hunt and want to bring a kid with them, let me know and we'll make it happen. So Great. Oh, awesome. Great. Well, Richie, we're, we about hit our timeline, so we appreciate you being on the show today. And um, Absolutely. Uh, best of luck. I don't know if you can have a, a, a luckier season than you had <laughs> last year. but Maybe you can sneak up on one of those turkeys with your bow. I mean, <laughs> you're pretty lucky. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Time will tell. Hey, it's been a blast, guys. I appreciate, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. It's uh, been a pleasure. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you or letting you hear us on an upcoming episode of um, Montgomery Creek Outdoors podcast series. Thanks, Richie Music. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another story and another adventure right here on the Montgomery Creek Outdoor podcast. We would like to give a big thank you to our partners and also the fine folks at Trophy Rock. Eagle Seed, Dirt Nap Gear, and Hunter Safety System. We hope you all enjoy each moment you spend in the great outdoors and hope that your storybook of adventure has many chapters.